You're listening to a message from Highway Church with Joey and Kirsten Roberts. Enjoy. So glad to be back at Highway. Amen. What a... Yeah. Praise the Lord. I know you're glad to be back at Highway too. Yes. It's good to meet physically. Amen. Not just spiritually, but physically. Not just videoly. <laughs> Amen. And if, if you're out there watching, uh, man, if you can make it, it's, it's good here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm Joey. This is my wife, Kirsten. Hi, guys. And Easy E is in the back. Yeah. That's uh, little Everest. I call him Easy E. He's so easy to be around and yeah. always smiling and already sharing the gospel. I'm, I'm yes. sure that's the gospel coming out. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yeah. We're glad to be yeah. here. Who's starting? You. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to get to gather together in the name of Jesus and celebrate Jesus. Jesus, we celebrate you today and every day and all day long. We celebrate you with our lives. We celebrate you with your word in our mouths. We celebrate you with our actions. We celebrate you with, with uh, fearless expectation we celebrate you with a expectation of your coming every day hallelujah we celebrate you hallelujah celebrate you with one another we celebrate you with our prayer life with our devotion we celebrate you for all the things that you've said all the things that you've done Lord we're grateful to be living in the time that we get to see the Son of God, return to the earth. Will he find faith? In me he will. In me you will. In all of us. Lord, we recommit this morning. You'll find faith and not doubt. We feed our faith and we starve those doubts to death. Doubts, you have no place in our life. You have no place in our home. You have no place in our thought life. You have no place in our mouth. You have no place on our job. You have no place, no right in us. Fear, you go from us in Jesus' name. Now we purpose in our heart to bring every thought into captivity right now. And make every thought obedient to the word and will and plan of God to our personal lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll start off here. Uh, I just got this. Now, my messages, as always, well, for many years now, are always on, seemingly on the fly, uh, especially in a, a place that welcomes the anointing and, and the Spirit of God to freely move. And so I, I, uh, my preparation time, which is never wasted time, preparation time's never wasted time, amen, uh, but my preparation time uh, with God is a continual uh, humbling of myself uh, and a yielding to His presence by spending time with His Word. You know, you can only get to know God by His Word. Pastor Joe spoke, uh, spoke out that word earlier. In the beginning, John 1.1 1, 1 was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, Malachi 3.6 says God doesn't change. If God and His Word were one, then God and His Word are one. So it stands to reason that the only way I could truly first get to know God would be by His Word. To not know God's Word would just be say, I don't know God. 
To think that I do know God outside of his word would just be pure ignorance because God and his word are one. Which would also lead you to another thing. To not have God's word in a matter would be to leave God out of that matter. Because God and his word are one. So we, we openly, one thing you never want to rebel against is the word of God. You rebel against the word, you rebel against God. Because God and his word are one. So we openly welcome God's word every day, all day, throughout the day. When we hear the word of God, we mix faith with it. We don't reject it. If you can find it in the New Testament, it belongs to you. And so when we hear the word of God, you know, one thing I never do is argue the word of God with anybody. I don't have a scripture, go ye in all the world and argue the word of God. No, it says go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. So we don't argue God's word. Amen. There's no anointing to argue the word. There's an anointing to preach the word. Amen. You know, I don't have to prove the word of God. The word of God will prove itself everywhere it goes. That's why we live in the most blessed country in the world. We've sent more missionaries than any other country or all other countries put together. We've sown the incorruptible seed of God's word into every nation. And we're still finding small bits and pieces out there of unreached people groups to continually sow the word of God. That's why we're free. That's why we're going to stay free. Until the rapture happens, amen, we're free as a bird. Amen. So I want to start off and... And we'll play past the mic. Uh, but look at First Timothy, uh, or Second Timothy 1. Well, which one do we do first? Hmm. Well, I wrote it down this way. So First Timothy 6, 7. You know, even in the, uh, uh, the way something's laid out is important. You know, you could read something for years and skip right over bits of revelation in the word of God. Remember when Jesus spoke to the fig tree? Remember in Mark 11? Yes. Jesus speaks to the fig tree, and they come back the next day, and what did Peter say? How did the fig tree die? It dried up from the roots. The root is the part of the tree that you can't see for most trees. Right? It's the unseen part. So when Jesus spoke the word, and he said, Cursed be you, you'll never bear fruit again. That word went below the surface to the root. And when they came back the next day, Peter started laughing. He said, Lord, look what happened to that tree you talked to. It, it shriveled up from the root. Another instance, very similar. They wake up Jesus in the bottom of the boat, right? And they said, Master, don't you even care that we're all about to die? They're in a storm. And Jesus gets frustrated with them. And he goes up and what's he do? He says, peace be still. And the men watching him and listening to him as the winds and the seas obeyed him, they said, who is this man that the wind and the sea obey him. Notice that the scripture notices first the unseen thing. The wind obeyed and then the sea obeyed. 
Remember in Genesis 1, God steps out in the darkness and he says, It sure is dark out here. No. He said, let there be light. There's something about, and especially right now, because we're so close to meeting Jesus face to face. Now, you'd want to agree with that. Because, I mean, if, you just, if you're a science person or a history person, why wouldn't you want to agree that we're closer today? You could at least agree we're closer today than we were yesterday to the coming of the Lord. Right? So I'm looking every day. I'm not looking for reasons not to obey Him and live for Him. I'm looking for reasons to obey Him and hear Him and see Him. So the unseen thing. Just briefly, I want to open this up. Fear is an unseen thing because it's a spirit. Like the wind, you can't tell me what color wind is. How big it is. How much does wind weigh? No, because it's an unseen thing. But you see the effects of it. You see the effects of it. Jesus held up the five books of the Bible that were actually uh, together in his day. And he said, this book in itself is dead. But the spirit behind it gives it life. The spirit realm is the unseen realm. You know, it dawned on me just uh, not, not but a couple of years ago that I am a spirit. And that's all I am. I have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. I live in a physical body. But as for me and as for you, you're a spirit. And the day that that truly goes off in you to where you'll start planning like a spirit and talking like a spirit and receiving the word of God like a spirit, you will change. And things will begin to work out that weren't working out for you. And things will begin to, you'll have understanding and clarity as a spirit. You'll never understand the Bible as a human being and as a, a, a brain. It's not possible. This is a spiritual book. It takes the Holy Spirit who wrote this book to translate what he's saying. It's not information, it's revelation. It's revelation. Did you find 1 Timothy 6, 17? I have not. Can I read it out of yours? Sure. You know, I better read it out of mine. I might have something extra special in mine. Why don't you read it? Out of mine? Yeah. Okay. 1 Timothy 6.17 As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Keep going. Yeah. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. Yeah. In the King James Version, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know, all is only three letters, A-L-L, but it's the biggest word in the Bible because it encompasses everything. All means totality. Now, it dawned on me this morning... I knew we were going to deliver a couple of words here. 
And uh, it seems like in this age, right this minute, that there's a spirit of fear. Now, it's always been in, in the world, but, but it's seeking to dominate people's lives. Dominate them. To literally keep them bound, confused, held back, in a state of wanting. The Bible says, the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. In this verse, he's saying, and this is a New Testament verse. This is a letter to us. He's saying, God has already given you everything that he's got for you to freely enjoy. So there's some things in this earth that are loosed that God did not give us. Because he's given us all things. A-L-L. He's already given us everything that he's going to give. Now I want to direct your attention to one other verse. 2 Timothy 1.7. Flip over just one page. You don't even have to flip. It's right there. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has given us all things freely to enjoy. But this one thing, if God hasn't given it, then where would it come from? For God's not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. This old man, Smith Wigglesworth, you've heard of him. He started a ministry well into his 60s. He was a plumber much of his life. And as a young man, he served God through a group known as the Salvation Army. And they would go out and evangelize in the streets and serve meals and pray for the sick and, and uh, cast out devils and anything the Lord asked him to do. But as he, he grew uh, older, times got tough and he had a family. He, he said, my heart grew cold and I got more busy about myself and about the cares of this world than I did about the call of the Lord on my life. And he said, it was my wife Polly that kept firmly stoked on the inside. The love of God. He said into my 60s one day, Polly said, there's a, a minister, Smith, coming to town, and I must go see him. The Lord's telling me to go. Smith said, my, my heart at this time had gone very cold towards the things of God. I still believed, but I was not really ready to accept. You know, even the devils believe. And they tremble at the name of Jesus. It's not just enough to believe that God exists. Or to believe that I'm saved. It's what am I doing with it? <laughs> one of the greatest things. One of the greatest things I love about God is. He makes me fearless. Like I'm ten feet tall. Like I'm carrying a sledgehammer. Everywhere I go. Like I squash anything in my path. Amen. Like nothing. Psalms 91 said, A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand, even at your right hand. That's close, but it cannot come near you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. All those who rise against you will fall. This word. Spirit substance. It makes me a giant. It makes me fear. It takes a 14-year-old boy 
to stand up to a man of war named Goliath on a word alone, knowing God said this, I'm anointed to be king. Remember Samuel came? He was looking for Jesse's son. He found David and he anointed him. David did not walk out there arrogant or cocky, but he did not walk out there silent. We must get our... Some people only talk trash. Talking trash is the difference, is different between trash talk. Talking trash is different than good old trash talk. Talking trash is saying everything that goes contrary to what God says. But good old trash talk is also known as superiority complex. Confidence. You come against me, we will bash you. When the football players get on the field at the professional level, I've heard the interviews. They talk about who talks the most trash. Anyone ever play football, high school, college ball? A lot of trash talking in that huddle, isn't there? What are you doing? Focusing on your enemy. Every time. Now, I was not a big guy. I was bigger then. I'm getting bigger every day. (laughs) But I was a defensive tackle. You know, as a defensive tackle, one of your main jobs is to put fear in thy enemy. Eyeball him. Let him know I'm coming for you. Hey! Hey, you! I'm coming! I'm coming! Oh, yeah! I'm coming! You better get ready! Hey, quarterback! Eyes on me! Freight train! I'm coming through! Oh, I'm going to mess you up. And when you have him down, you whisper in his ear, you better stay down. Because it never stops coming. I never stop coming. I never wear out. There is no weakness in me. David, Goliath, all all show and no go. I will feed you to the fowls of the air. Talks to a teenager, man of war. And David said, as the Lord God lives, I will deliver your head today. There's a difference between talking trash and good old-fashioned superiority. I think David enjoyed that battle that day. He must have. He, he had to fight through his brothers, and phys- not physically, but, but, but emotionally and verbally almost fight the king to get to go fight. Oh, let me fight. Let me do it. I killed a bear before. I killed a lion. Let me do it. King said, here, i got to get it off my conscience. Why don't you take my armor? He said, I've not proved this. All I need is five smooth stones. We have to get our fight back. God's given us all things freely to enjoy. I'll finish this and and then you just take off. One thing God has not given us is a spirit of fear. So we have to decide. I have to do whatever it takes to deal with that thing. How many in here this morning would say, uh, I better watch how I prove this. Nobody 
A British accent. I like it. <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> that's good preaching. No, you don't have that. That's b better preaching than I've heard in a while in most churches. Fear is one thing that definitely God hasn't given. So it has no place in our house. You know, cocaine has no place in our house. You know, uh, uh, illegal, illicit drugs have no place in our house. There's a lot of things that don't have any place in our house. Fear is definitely something that has no place in our house. Smith Wigglesworth was at a bus station one day. He was sitting there waiting on a bus and this little old lady came out and she, she, she just lived up the street. And Wigglesworth's watching this lady walk and her little dog came walking, following her, yapping. And she, she turned around and said, now you got to go home, sweetheart. You got to go home. The bus is coming. You don't belong out here. Go on, go on home. And she got closer to the bus station. She said, no, no, <laughs> you, you got to go home now. Come on, come on, go home. Mama's got to go to work. Come on, go home. About that time, the bus pulled up. She looked at that dog. She said, get! And that dog tucked his tail and ran. And Wigglesworth, watching the whole scenario, he laughed out loud. He said, now that's how you have to deal with fear and the devil. We deal with the devil one way. We put him on the run. Amen. Amen. Come on. Man, preach that's it. That's good. That's so good. I want to um, jump on mm. something Joey was talking. He was yes. talking about David and Goliath. And you know, we hear that story in one perspective so often. And God, David was convinced of who he was. He couldn't believe that these, that the, um, the armies of God were, were succumbing to the fear that was being preached by Goliath and mm. Philistines. But he had something else um, and that's perspective. And sometimes in a situation, it's not just, I'm going to plow through. You know, he didn't wear Saul's armor. He didn't fight how all of the other men had in their mind that how we have to tackle this giant. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have won had he done that, but that was not how the Lord was leading him to take down his enemy. The Lord has perspective for you that will just switch on a light bulb that, oh, because when he saw it, it was so obvious. Why? It, it really wasn't a competition. Yes, Goliath was much bigger. Yes, he had a bigger sword. But archers or stone throwers, they don't battle infantry. It's, it's a different competition. I'm fighting you from here. I'm going to throw a stone if I'm good at it. it hit, I'm not even, we're not even getting face to face. So those are the guys out here that are going to fight. Then infantry, we fight with swords. If David had picked up a sword in the armor of Saul to fight Goliath face to face, that may have been a different scenario. But not only was God with him, God gave him his mind, his perspective, his wisdom. It was obvious. I'm good at this job. It was the equivalent back then of uh, someone pulling an arrow. 
I mean, if you practice that, you can get good at it. It wasn't just throwing a rock in the air and hoping it lands in the right place. It was very precise. I see a, a large target. Thank you for being big. Makes it easier. Right? His size was not, was not, didn't make it more difficult. It made it easier. He has this massive target. I'm coming at you with a stone. If this stone, if I get it going at the right rate, it's going to hit exactly the target that I aim it for. Please bring it on. This is, is, so what was it? It was a different, no one had thought about fighting him that way. For 40 days, no one has this thought that, oh, maybe we shouldn't fight him in his own playground with his own toys. Because the moment we come into the devil's territory and fight him on his domain, we've already lost. What is his domain? That's natural. That's the the flesh side of us. But if we fight him in a domain that he that we are already victorious, we he has no choice. He has no it's no battle. That's why he is constantly trying to pull us into the carnal pull us into the flesh, tempt us with fear, tempt us with things to bring us to try and handle him at a flesh level. We don't handle him at a flesh level. You've lost. You can only deal with him from your place. Where's your place? Seated with Christ, already victorious. I don't deal with him from a trying to get victorious. I don't deal with him from a point of I'm trying to win. I've won. This is silly, right? Um, Smith Wigglesworth, Joey was talking about him a bit earlier. I love this story. He, um, he was sleeping, it was the middle of the night, sleeping in his bed, and he hears rustling and something going on in his house. Um, so he gets out of bed, comes downstairs, turns on the lights, and Satan is sitting on his couch. He turns off, he says, it's, oh, it's only you, turns off the light and goes back to bed. I mean, that sounds nuts, right? I love the other story that Joey, Joey told just a, a little bit ago, um, the last sermon you were preaching about. The, was it Smith or Lester with the bed? Lester, some role. Uh, he, he sensed a presence in his bedroom, and uh, a demon spirit moved his bed to the other side of the room. And he rose up immediately and said, Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Demon left. Then he thought about it and he said, I'm going to have to wake up, move my bed back over to the other side of the room. He said, you get back here, move my bed back. His bed moves back and the presence is gone. So we have to come to a place. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there? We have to use what, the God, what God has given us. He has given us our carnal senses as gates to get into our spirit man so that our spirit man, we are more cognizant of who we are in the spirit than, than what we are in the flesh. We don't even consider this house because I am more who I am is my spirit. I live in a body. I have a soul, which is the, re- the realm that we, that we have to, our flesh will always be on one side. It will always be pulling us towards fleshly desires. Our spirit, if it's born again, is the candle of the Lord. And it will always point us towards the right path 
our mind or our soul sits in the middle. That's why we have to renew it daily because we have to put it on the side of our spirit. So that scripture, um, 2 Timothy 1.7, I don't know if we actually read it, but let's, let's read it. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But I was reading it in the Amplified just yesterday or the other day. And it says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, timidity, cowardice, craven and cringing, fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Do you know what your soul is made up of? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. All those three things make up our soul. So right here in the Amplified, I love how it deals with every point of the soul. Instead of just and a sound mind, it's a sound, calm, well-balanced mind and discipline. What's that? Mind, will. So that's my will. And emotions. What's that? Self-control. I control my emotions. My emotions do not control me. God gave us emotions. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They're gifts from God, but they're flags. Uh, A couple weeks or maybe a couple months ago, Joey and I were talking, and he said something like, man, I'm just angry with all of this stuff that we're seeing. And we took a moment and we said, turning off the TV, and we only watched preaching. He would get a night to choose what preacher we were going to watch, and that was generally someone before 1950. (laughs) And then I would get a night, and that was someone in uh, today's day and age. This is generally my choices. But what was that? Anger is an emotion, and it's a flag, and it's fine to feel anger, to feel sad, to feel any of these emotions. It's a problem when they rule you. Because when you cannot control your emotions, you will try to control Mm. others. And so we have to learn to control. That's why self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. We learn to control our emotions. So what does that emotion show me? When that emotion rises up, that's like a flag. And I take inventory right then of what am I thinking on? Because my thoughts will result, what I'm thinking on constantly will come out in my emotions and so then if my my thought life as my my uh the scripture that joey quoted earlier about um weapons of our warfare are not carnal he quoted the end part uh bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of christ that's second corinthians 10 3 through 5 my i remember my dad always used to say you can't stop the birds from flying over your head but you can stop them from making a nest what is that the thoughts thoughts come We've all had thoughts that we go, oh my goodness, if, if people knew. Right? Mm. Has anyone ever been scared of, uh, like, anyone ever been told that when we're raptured and in, in heaven that there's going to be a reel of your life, right, for everyone? When I was younger, I used to think, oh my gosh, I don't want everyone to think every, to see every thought that you've ever had. <laughs> but the problem is not when those thoughts come. The problem is when we let them stay and dwell and linger because then that creates a picture. That creates an imagination. That's why the scripture said that we cast down, they can become strongholds. We cast down those imaginations. How? 
I want you guys to start counting in your head. Just count from one to whatever. Just keep counting and um, keep going, keep counting, keep counting. Just in your mind. Um, okay, say the word Jesus. Jesus. What number were you on, Kelly? 14. What number were you on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what number were you on? 21. What number were you on? 10. Why do you know the number that you were on? Why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? I, I made you say something. Yes. So how did you stop what you were thinking about? With your mouth. The moment you say something, how did Jesus demonstrated this for us? When Satan approached him, right, in the wilderness, did he just think him away? Did he just think to himself, oh, hopefully he'll go away? No, he answered. Answer those thoughts. You know, I think it's so interesting, Joey uh, mentioned the fig tree. It says, Jesus answered the fig tree. He, what did the fig, the fig tree, he answered him? Like that, answered the fig tree, that's a strange way to state that. Mm. Because he heard the fig tree speaking or saying something to him. We speak to natural things. We answer them. Because those thoughts that come, that's how you, mm. that's how you deal with thoughts. Is by opening your mouth. Yes. You have to, have to, have to. There's no two ways mm. about that's it. Good. You have to open your mouth. There, God gave us these gates, our ear gate, our eye gate, and our mouth gate. Yeah. What I see, what I see all the time, what I watch. That's why um, I, I used to get frustrated when I was younger because my parents would not let me watch the movies that my friends were allowed to watch. They wouldn't let me listen to the music that my friends, and I went to a, pub, a large public high school, um, like 4,000 kids in my high school, huge public high school and all my friends got to listen to the cool popular music right and all and my parents would not but they they told me why Kirsten because when you listen to that when you watch those movies those things go into you what and then that's what comes out of you so what I say I am my I'm the I'm the greatest preacher of my own life I'm sorry am I taking too long no okay um, greatest preacher of my own life because that's what I'm hearing myself say all the time. That is what is going to go into your spirit, your heart. What did God tell us? That you are to guard your heart with all diligence. That's how you guard your heart. Your eyes, your ears, and specifically your mouth. Yes. We use our mouth to speak good things. Yeah. There's a, a great um, story, a Jerry Savelle, and I don't remember who the other preacher was um, or the order that it got was in, but this um, preacher, they were, they were speaking, it was like a conference, and they each had, let's say, 45 minutes. And the first guy got up, and he's preaching away, and he says at the beginning, oh, I'm just going to take my time and Jerry's time too. And uh, then he goes along, and he keeps going along and going along and going along, and he goes, and he keeps checking his watch, keeps checking his watch for the time. And he, he goes on, and he says, you know what, guys? My watch has stopped. I, I just realized that how much, how much time have I taken? And... Uh, they said, you've taken exactly your time and Jerry's time. You've taken exactly both of their times. And uh, Jerry, or I think it was... Charles Capps. Oh, Charles Capps, okay. 
totally different era, <laughs> um, got up and he said, I just have one thing to say. This man has so trained his spirit to accomplish what he sets in motion with his mouth that when he said it, it was going to happen. Yes. So let's get to a point. I ask you the question, would you be happy today if everything you said came to pass immediately? If every word you uttered immediately came to pass, would you be uh, living a blessed life? Yeah. Because it is only by God's grace that it isn't if what is coming out of your mouth is taking time. But survey your life. What is, what are you living in? You're living in what you're producing, what you're speaking out of your mouth. So start to change those things. And you will start to see those circumstances around you change. Um, yes. So the, that where I'll finish up right mm-hmm. there is Second Timothy fear, right? Second Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear. This is what I wanted to get to, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If fear, if not having a spirit of fear, but he's given us power and love and a sound mind, and discipline and self-control. When we accept fear, what does that mean we're rejecting? Power, love, and soundness of mind. So in any area of your life that you say, oh, I'm fearful of this, what are you choosing? You're choosing to be powerless in that situation. That's your choice. I have no power in a situation where I'm fearful. What about love? We are designed in the image of God to reflect his love and to receive love. I can't do that if I'm fearful. It's like, it's like squeezing the hose, putting a clamp on the hose. It can't flow. And what about soundness of mind? Don't trust any decision you make when it's out of fear because you cannot operate with a sound mind and you can't trust your emotions. Yeah. There we go. You might, you might hear that and say, well... Uh, I can't deal with the fear that I'm facing. I mean, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know what I am facing. How it's, you know, uh, it's easy for you just to say that. Uh, but, but really, we, we can deal with the Word of God. Uh, we can deal with anything. Yeah. Yeah. It may not be overnight. You know, as I train my mouth. And our mouth has to be trained. James said it's the, it's the most unruly portion of the human body. But he compared it to the uh, um, uh, rudder of a, a ship. I always say the udder of a ship, but that's on a cow. Uh, the rudder of a ship, you know. It, it, the rudder may be small, but it, you know, when it's uh, wielded and turned, it can turn about a giant boat. You know, he compared it to the bits in a horse's mouth. Though the horse be big and the bit be small, it literally tells that horse where it's going to go. Well, James said our mouth is literally uh, defining where our life is headed. Amen. You know, the enemy, uh, the only thing he really has to, to start with in anyone's life is their thought life. And if he can get those thoughts to become words, then, then uh, soon after actions follow. 
But if we, if we, as she said, as the Bible says, we cast down imagination or any high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and we purpose in our heart to bring every thought into captivity and make it obedient to what God says. Okay, joke break. So this guy, you're going to like this. You can tell this later at lunch. This guy, he walks into a cafe and it's a very, very small town. Small town. How small was it? They recently carpeted the whole city. We're talking small. It gets worse. Walks in to the one cafe in town, and, and uh, as soon as he walks in, uh, he sees a, a friend of his, his neighbor. He says, Hey, Bill! Bill, come over. Hey, where you been, buddy? He said, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. He said, oh, I thought I, thought I told you. I did, took a last-minute uh, trip, a little vacation time out west. Where did you go? He said, oh, I went to, went to Colorado. He said, uh, had this opportunity with some guys from work, and they invited me out to the Rocky Mountains and, uh, you know, for some hiking and, and uh and cabins, and just um, had a big old time. He said, well, how was it? He said, well, it was great. He said, but um, got to tell you, you know, a uh, real bummer part of the trip. We were on this hike, and, uh, you know, we'd been hiking. It was hot, and, you know, I'd been drinking water, and I'm hiking, and I'm drinking water, and I'm hiking, I'm sweating, I'm drinking water. And he said, you know, all of a sudden I had to stop and, and, and pee. And he said, so I let the group get ahead, and, and uh, you know, I found a, a spot in the woods, a way, you know, just, just let everyone get ahead of me a little bit. And he said, you know, all that water, it took longer than I thought. <laughs> he said, and then I, I got lost. And he said, I'm looking for people, I can't hear anybody. And he said, all of a sudden, out behind this rock, this giant bear, <laughs> He said, I pooped my pants. <laughs> and Bill goes, uh, uh, or his friend says, Bill, that's, that's terrible, but I mean, understandable, a bear jumping out, wow. He goes, oh, no, no, just now when I went, roar! It's terrible. <laughs> if you haven't got it by now, just let it sit in and if you're not laughing there may be other problems to deal with because that's, that's the best I got Psalms 28 says there's one thing in your life that is your strength and that's your joy level you know you can immediately put yourself in check of how spiritual you really are by how much joy you have now, we all face different things. You know, n nobody, not even God himself, ex expects you just to feel joyful all the time. But you know what? Most mornings, we've got a nine-month-old. And most mornings, when, when our nine-month-old gets up at 5.30, quarter to 6, uh, I just don't feel saved. <laughs> Even this morning, went to bed last night knowing 
that we're going to get up in the morning. We've, we've got responsibility to carry the sermon material. We hadn't practiced, you know. More, usually we're like Martin and Lewis up here. But, you know, we're just going for it here. And, and, uh, but you know what? At 5.30 this morning when, when Easy E woke up, I, I just really did not feel saved at all. I didn't feel righteous. There wasn't anything about me. It takes two good cups of coffee these days before I even feel holy. <laughs> you know, it, it's that third cup that really reminds me of, of the Lord's righteousness. I can't even think straight until, <laughs> until caffeine. It's, I don't want to admit that I'm an addict, you know, but they say admitting is the first step. And I'm just not ready to take that first step. <laughs> you know, I just want to stay comfortable looking for. It's the one thing I got right now, you know. Don't take it away from me. I just know it's all going to happen again tomorrow. And, and Lord, just, just get me to that coffee maker. I need to buy one where you press the button and it, it makes it so I can wake up and get that stuff in me so I can get the joy of the Lord again, right? You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, the power of his might that allows you to put off the former man and put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of he who created you, that's his joy. The joy of the Lord makes me strong. The joy of the Lord allows me to see through lies. There's nothing like joy that allows you to always have the upper hand. You know when a group of staunch people who are very serious about something and they're very focused on getting a thing done. When the guy that walks in the room and he's got the wrong outfit on and he's got more money than everybody else in the room and he's just jolly because <laughs> he doesn't have a care in the world, he kind of wrecks everything, doesn't it? It's just like... We're trying to have this serious thing and this guy in his, in his thing always with the smile and stuff, he's, he's ruining it. You know, in most rooms, that's Jesus. He's the guy that's smiling. Jesus isn't carrying any burden today. He carried it on the cross, right? It's a finished work. And it, since it's finished, it's finished for all of us. But like every fruit of the Spirit... There's nine of them. Every one of them has to be entered into by faith. Yeah. Do you know you'll never enter into joy? Some people are happy here and there. Some of them, happiness seems to come with them a week at a time. But happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is simply an outward sign or result of an inward work of joy. But happiness is temporary. Mm -hmm. Joy is forever. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith on any occasion for anything, it's not possible to please God in that thing or that occasion. Yeah. Joy must be entered into by faith. When I have no earthly reason to have joy, by faith I rejoice in the Lord at all times. And again, I say rejoice. I rejoice when all hell is breaking loose. I rejoice. What do I do? I rejoice. Oh, it's been so long since I had anything to be joyful about. Is Jesus your Lord? Amen. 
This earth suit life is just for a short time. Thank God that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'll become a Baptist preacher for a minute. Bless God, your name's been written in heaven. There's room for you to rejoice. Your feet will never touch the fire of hell. There's room for you to rejoice. The devil has no authority over you. There's room for you to rejoice. My God shall supply all your needs. There's room for you to rejoice. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you is room for you to rejoice. Oh, that ought to move some bone in your body. There's room for you to rejoice. There's room. There's room. Lately, this word has been going off in my heart. And I know it's God because I know his voice. And it's very simple. If not now, then never. Right. If you won't grab your joy now, you'll never have it. It's now. It's now. If we just knew that Jesus was coming back in seven days from now, you'd know, I only have seven days left. What am I going to do? I'd say rejoice. What do you have to lose? Some people are living like there's never, there's always a tomorrow and it just doesn't matter anymore. If I'm happy one day, it's just because I'm lucky. No, 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 no. The joy of the Lord will get you acting like there's no tomorrow promised to anybody. If I'm gonna have it, it's now or never. I'm gonna have my needs met. I'm gonna have my bills paid. If I have to look around every rock to find the devil to shake my money loose, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get what's mine. I'm gonna have a happy marriage. I'm gonna have a happy home. I'm gonna have a happy son. I'm gonna have a happy life. I'm gonna have my bills paid. I'm gonna have everything this book promises me. Everything, all of it, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Until you get desperate enough to take what's yours, you'll always see others getting theirs. But don't get mad at me and allow jealousy and anger to, to overwhelm you. You can have joy like I got, peace like I got. Grab on to Jesus with your words. Say, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. Amen. 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 Yeah. That's so good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You can, you can even say it without sounding mad. Yeah. And you still get it. That just helps me. That just helps me. Amen. Sometimes you do have to yell at the devil. Yeah. Just, you gotta, you gotta hear get yourself. Get my shout back. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Have my shout. Yeah. I ain't gonna let, listen. I'm yeah. not going to shout louder for a, a leather bag of wind that floats through the air. Right. I'm not going to shout louder for a, a piece of leather that goes across a base. Amen. God right. deserves my shout. Amen. 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 Um, I wanted to take one moment to just, I feel like maybe there's some of you here who... Uh, this hopefully motivated us, right, or got us to a point. It's even good. I mean, it's sometimes 
we're preaching to ourselves up, up here, I promise you. More than anything else, you're, you're preaching to yourself of, yes, I do need to, we do need to say these things and hear myself say these things more and more. Um, but just, so when you leave here, it's good to not only maybe you go, okay, yes, I'm motivated. I'm going to start saying some things. I'm going to start speaking some stuff over my life that I, things I want to see in my life. Um, but just to teach you for a moment, we the word is very specific. We call those things which be not as though they were. We don't call those things which are as though they were not. So if I have a broken arm and someone asks me, what, what hap- what's wrong with your arm? I don't say, oh, my arm's not broken. My arm's not broken. My arm's not broken. That's not going to get you anyway. That's calling something that is as if it's not. What I do say is I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am, I have, all my needs are met. I am fully supplied. So I don't speak to something that is, that is broken, that is missing, and call it not. I speak to those things that are not here yet, that belong to me. And I call them into existence. I call them from the realm of the spirit and I believe I receive it. I call it one time and then I thank the Lord for it. I don't continue to ask and ask and ask because there's one prayer that God will never answer. He won't give you something that he's already given you. He's already supplied all your need. All I have to do is get that in me and then thank him for it renew my mind. He's not going to answer. He's not going to answer a prayer that he of doing something that he's told me to do. He told me to speak to the mountain. I can pray all day on my knees. God, move the mountain. Please move the mountain. And you hear it. There's worship songs about it. God, move the mountain. God will move it. He will move it. He'll come through for you. He will, he will do, he'll do it for you. Just sit. Thank you, Lord. Will you move that mountain? I believe God, he's going to move that mountain. And I could start preaching that and you would amen it. And it has no scripture. Because he didn't say he would move it. He told me, if Jesus walked into your room tonight, would you think to yourself, well, if Jesus just showed up, then all my problems would be solved. Then he could give me all the things that I've been believing for. Then he could answer my prayers. Then he could do this. I could ask him these questions. I'm telling you what, if Jesus showed up at your room tonight, he would say, what in the world are you doing with everything I've given you? I've given you the keys. Use them. Use them. Use my word. Use my name. I've given it to you. Start operating in it. How do you do that? Open your mouth, a good place to start. We don't have any say what left, but get some scriptural confessions. This is, God, Joey was raised, um, I, don't, not, I think he's going to make Everest start reading these before he can even speak. <laughs> but God's creative power. Get some specific, just things that you hear yourself. You don't have to come up with it. You can create ones that are specific to you. I'm going to read some to you. I am the body of Christ. You're going to repeat after me. I am the body of Christ. And Satan has no power over me. For I overcome evil with good. I am of God. 
and have overcome him Satan. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I am far from oppression, and fear does not come nigh me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, for my righteousness is of the Lord. But whatever I do will prosper. For I'm like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Four minutes, maybe, maybe five minutes every day. Can you give that up? Can you feel your spirit man rising? That confidence rising? Yes. What do I have to fear? The God of angel armies is on my side. He, he's gone before me. He's not going. He's gone. He's there. He's behind me. He's surrounding me. I have nothing to fear. And, the, and as long as I keep that in my mouth, keep that coming out of me, when you're bumped, that should come flow out. That is what should flow out. If it doesn't, that's okay. It locates you. God will meet you where you are, just not where you pretend to be. So meet, recognize where you're at. And sometimes you're speaking these things not, not because you believe them. I'm not saying I'm far from a... Maybe I'm saying it like this. I'm far from oppression and fear does not come nigh me. I'm far from oppression and fear does not come nigh me. Okay, I'm far from oppression. No, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm not speaking it from a place of, I know no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's okay. I'm speaking to get to that place. I I need to recognize, am I saying God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Am I saying that to get to it, to a place? That's okay. I need to say things to get my spirit to a place. And then I can say from a place. I'll finish with one story. Go ahead. Sometimes you're, uh, uh, though we have what the Bible says, uh, you may be saying things not just to get to it, but to get through it. Yes. Yeah, Joshua and Caleb, when they're in the, uh, in the uh, promised land, uh, they saw the giants, the sons of Anak, and they were the only two out of all those spies. They were the only two that for 40 days kept the word of the Lord in their mouth. And when they came out, they were the only two that still had the same word in their mouth. Yes. God promised us this yes. land. Everyone else talked about what they saw, and Joshua and Caleb kept saying what God said. So sometimes you're saying something to get to it. Sometimes you're saying something to get through something. And then eventually you'll be saying it from that place that God's put you there. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, I want to finish with a story. I, in, I think it was 2004, there were some massive fires that came through California. And the fires right where my, my parents live in San Diego and the, the fires came right through our property. We were evacuated. And um, we were at our corner church, which was a very safe uh, Assemblies of God. And um, we were saying a lot of the community was displaced. And so we were were there, and you couldn't see our house on the hill. All you could see were the flames. So we could see the flames literally crossing over the mountain, and then they would dip down. And we literally didn't know what we would come back to. But I remember we, I, so clearly I was a teenager and we're standing in a circle with the pastors 
uh, my parents, some other people were all holding hands and the pastors were going to pray. And so they prayed, um, I couldn't tell you, just a, a safe prayer, Lord, thank you for your protection. Um, thank you that whatever your will is, it is done in this situation. Um, and my mom, something rose up and I'm standing next to her and she started declaring and she started speaking to those flames and she started speaking to that devil and she started sending forth angels and she said, you will not touch what is mine. You have to go in the name of Jesus. And everyone in that circle shrunk and just looked at her. The pastors, their eyes opened and they literally were staring at her like, Oh my, it was like, wow, this woman is speaking as one with authority. And you know what? It was because she had put it in her. There was authority building up on the ends because that's what went in every day, every day. No, you were not going to touch my property. I believed God for this. This is mine. You will not touch my, the fruit of my vine or my fig tree. I've believed God. This is his promise to me. I don't care if the flame is on my house, then God will remove it. I don't care how it has to be done. This is mine. And there comes a place of authority. I remember listening to that and thinking, wow, like just watching the, the pasta. My mom is like shouting at these flames and commanding things. And you know what? How many angels do we have that are sitting around twiddling their thumbs getting lazy? Because they have nothing to do. Give them an assignment every morning. Wake up and say, angels, this is what I have to you, for you to do today. You've got angels who are ready and waiting on assignment for you to send them out. Send them out. Otherwise, what do they do? They are sitting and waiting because they can't do anything until you give them the word, until you release them. That's how much power and authority we've been given. If only we will start to step into that. We are unstoppable. Yeah. God. Well, let's stand to our feet. Amen. Woo! Man, praise God. Praise God. We've got fuel in us, guys. Amen. There's no fear in us. No fear. We have perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today. You could bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you are here today and, and fear has tried to just overwhelm you, tried to grip your home. Uh, maybe, maybe lately, uh, maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's a, a result of fear. Maybe strife has tried to enter into your, your habitation, your place. Uh, maybe, maybe all of a sudden you've just been irritable or you've been angry. Uh, listen, we, we're taking back our houses Amen. And we're helping other people take back their houses. And, and out of our houses, we're taking this into the streets. Amen. The church is rising up right now. And you're a part of that, that church, part of this body of Christ. And so in Jesus' name, we just release that spirit of fear and we command you to go right now. Say this with me. Say, fear go. Fear go. Fear you have no place here. Fear you have no place in my home. Anger, you have no place around me. You have no place in me. Satan, I address you. Get out of my way. Get away from my house. You take your hands off my kids. You get out of my home. My home is covered 
by the blood of Jesus. Now, Jesus, Jesus, I thank you for overwhelming my house, overwhelming my body. Take a deep breath right now. <sighs> Overwhelm my body with yourself. I invite you to be my Savior, to be my Lord and my great physician. You are everything. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved from anything trying to get me. I'm saved from death, hell, and the grave. I'm saved. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.